women trust that Jesus is enough to meet every need and satisfy every heart. Praying you will be encouraged and strengthened through this message from the Discipleship Summit. Would you open your Bibles with me to the book of John? And we're going to look at quite a bit of the scriptures. Okay, first of all, we're going to look at John 14. <laughs> if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. How long? And what's he going to do? The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you a little while longer, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. At that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Let that sink in a minute. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him. And we will make ourselves known to him. Judas is not scary. It said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Notice that he doesn't really answer his question. He just repeats what he said before. <laughs> he who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Now, if you would just turn over to John 15. And this is from whence our theme came from. And we are going to read verses 1 through 10. And then we're going to go, well, actually, 1 through 15. I was going to say 1 through 10 and 11 through 15. There we go. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit he prunes, and it may bear much more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do some things. Nothing. Say that again. Nothing. 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 
If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and withered and gathered and thrown into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. And by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. For greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I heard from my father, all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. And then one more passage, and that's in chapter 16. First I want to read verse 26 of 15, and then go over to chapter 16, starting with verse 5. 1526, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. Now John 16, 5. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me where you are going. But because I said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient. It is to your advantage. It is absolutely necessary that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Sin because they do not believe in me. Righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he will take of mine and declare it to you. Now, Father, in the moments that we have tonight, we praise you for the promises that are all yes in Christ Jesus. We thank you that we are not reading a novel. We are not, but we are reading a love story. We thank you, Lord, we're not reading a history book, but we are reading the book that reveals all of history. Now, Jesus, would you come tonight? Will you give us ears to open and a will to obey like we never have known before? We live in tragic days. We live in desperate days. We need, live among a wicked people. And the remnant needs revived. The remnant needs to be cleansed and filled afresh with the only person that we need in order to abide. So, Father, we give it to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I want to start by saying, 
Excuse me? Just pull the microphone closer. Oh dear. <laughs> We're already having trouble. <laughs> I want to begin by saying thank you for your prayers. And what a delight it is to be here tonight to see you face to face. There were a few times I wasn't sure I'd get here. In fact, there were a few times I wasn't sure I'd get anywhere. Um, the Lord allowed some things that I never dreamed that I would go through. Um, but he did allow them. And some of you have asked, well, what, what, what have you been doing? Well, I've been laying in bed. <laughs> um, I was in a hurry. Like I have lived three-fourths of my life in a hurry. And I was getting ready for the holidays. I was going to have company. And I was preparing this and preparing that. And we have puppies and dogs. And so we have a gate that we close uh, to keep them out of my room. Because the little puppy, when he gets in there, chews my cords. <laughs> so the gate was open. And one of the cords was across the hall and I went abound in there and my foot caught it and I never knew what happened except that I was thrown into that gate and I thought wow man that hurt it hurt so bad I started crying and um, my knee began to swell and long story short I tore my quad tendon this was right before Thanksgiving so I suffered for about a week and then they did surgery and so for the next weeks I lay in bed in excruciating pain. I will have a baby anytime. <laughs> Just don't ask me to have another quantum because the answer will be no. <laughs> I didn't know such pain was possible and I remember my doctor said, oh it, it will take some time, it will hurt. But he said, without it, you won't walk right. So I thought, okay, I want to walk right. So we had it. And I saw him this past week. I said, you didn't tell me it would hurt so bad. And he said, well, I didn't tell you to fall either. <laughs> it wasn't wrong with that. But as I lay there in bed for six weeks, I began to feel better and I could, I could put weight on it a little bit and I don't need to go into all that. God was very merciful and very with me. But I was in so much pain, I couldn't think clearly. And it was hard for me to have my devotions. I, I couldn't read, couldn't keep my mind on it. Um, so I would look at pictures and things, but I couldn't focus. And then I was to begin therapy after six weeks, which my body by that time needed reconstructed because I hadn't walked very much. And I was stiff and wobbly and weak. And so um, I got one, one Friday of therapy in and that was painful, and I got home, and my husband, who had taken care of me for those six weeks, he was marvelous, by the way. <laughs> Pain does funny things, but we got to know each other like a real sweetness. He was wonderful. And I want to just say that if he's watching or listening, thank you, Phil, <laughs> in front of you all, because really, I couldn't have done it without him. And I'll share more tomorrow about those others that have helped. But as I laid there and I started therapy, my husband and my son, Daniel, came home from working with a bunch of contractors and you guessed it, they had COVID. So they shared it with me. <laughs> and I said, well, thank you very much. And um, so for the next six weeks, I laid in bed again. And this time, it was a different kind of pain and sickness, but I got double pneumonia, and it, it wasn't any fun. And if any of you have gotten 
COVID, do you know exactly what I'm talking about? It isn't anything to, to sneeze at. But while I was in COVID, when I began to, to read, I remember that three years ago, we chose this theme. Uh, I I'll never forget it, Anna and I were looking at a motel, uh, another hotel in the area because we couldn't get this one at the time. We were all set up, we had bought everything, and you're using everything that we had bought. So we put it in storage, and the theme was abide in me and I in you, um, the key. And Anna and I thought, what, what could we call this, abide in me and abide in you? I mean, it's pretty clear, but there has to be something focused. So we finally said the key. Well, when I began to study and knew that I was so privileged to speak, I thought, hmm, the key, the key of what? And I began reading and reading and praying, and I just touched the surface of what it, God means by abide. And I was looking at John 15, and I thought, I can't start in John 15, our verse. I have to go back to 14. And I was reading 14, and I was realizing that 14 was instructing and introducing the third person of the Trinity, and that he was the way God, and that you would come to the Father and come to the Holy Spirit through the way. And I thought, to, then I looked at 15, then I began 16, and then I was in 17. I thought, what we have here is a full-blown biblical concerto. <laughs> now, I don't know if, if you're musical. The nude kids don't even know who Bach is. Right? But I'm here to tell you, if I was a music major and I remember my recital, I had to play a two-piano concerto. You start out with a, maybe a, a movement of adagio, very slow, very moving, but it's very heavy often. And then it bursts into songs to a, maybe an interlude and um, many different kinds of intervention, uh, oh help me, where's inventions? Themes. Themes, thank you. You play the same melody but on different, different themes. And then the third one will go into an allegro faster and, and picks up speed and dimension and, and then your last movement also is a just presto, it just goes into full swing, all the instruments and very, very busy and very climactical and beautiful and sound. That's what I think of when I read John 14 to 17. Yeah. It's, it is the farewell addressed, addressed to his beloved. These are some of the most crucial words of the scriptures that you and I must know backwards and forwards because it's what he's given them to them to comfort them, to give them hope, to give them guidance, to give them somehow an understanding of what they're going to face and what, why they have been called to himself. And it's one of the most beautiful four chapters in the scriptures. If I get a little down or discouraged or lose my focus, I dig back into them. Now let me tell you, when I get home, I'm going to go back to John 14 and dig and dig and dig 15, 16, and 17 till I get even a bigger picture of what God's trying to say to us. We need to remember that these chapters were written to those he loved. But you see, um, John doesn't give us the complete story. And I love this because it takes a Luke. It takes a Mark. It takes a Matthew. 
It took the John to, to give us more of the fullness of the whole story. I want to just um, give to you a few of these. We don't have time because there's part of here that I really want to get back to and end. But listen to what um, Abide, what Abide gives to us. Now, first of all, let me just say, Abide isn't an it. And sometimes I think we've quoted it, Abide in me and I in you. And uh, because from you can do nothing without me and you want to bear fruit. And I think one of the um, misconstrued falsenesses, is that word, falsenesses, <laughs> of the church is that, oh my goodness, I gotta bear fruit. I better work harder. I'm not doing very good. I've only reached one person instead of one million. Oh my goodness. I must not be abiding enough, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna work harder, I'm gonna set my alarm earlier, I'm gonna spend more time with him because without him I can't do anything. And the devil has us in such a frenzy that we hardly even know who we're to follow anymore. We don't know whose life is in us. So we read that passage flippantly. But really, abide is the, um, I don't even have a word for it. It is the unifying factor, truth, essence, of which connects the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in you and me. Because abide means to stay in a given place. It means a state of relationship. It means to continue, to be present, to know, to tarry, to rest. Now did you know that all fit in the little word abide? <laughs> because in that little word abide is exactly who Jesus is. He's the same. He never changes. His intention was to know you in a biblical relation, in a lovely, loving relationship, in a covenant of exorbitant love. And he, he came and he was getting ready to die and tomorrow, but he went to die to accomplish that you and I might abide. And remember, this abide, we're going to go just back a, a little bit here now to the book of Mark. He's telling the disciples who soon would fail him miserably. They haven't been very successful yet. And I imagine when they go back and read this, or no, they didn't have it yet. They had it by the vocal word of God. God spoke it to them. He was the word, the living word, and it was going to become the written word as what we're studying now. And I think, as he said in this passage, I wish we could take every book from John 14 through 17 and just dig in and dig in, but we'd be here past Saturday. So I promise I won't keep you more than another 40 minutes. But um, now I need to get back to work. <laughs> Sorry, when, when you get old and then you have COVID and a few other things, it does a trick on your mind. You've got to bear with me. <laughs> you better whisper. <laughs> okay. Abide. It's where one lives. It is, it's staying in your abode. Did you hear what he said in the sweet chapters of John? If you love me and you keep. Now don't tell me that grace does not have a term. Grace means I can come.
come to him and make a home for him and abide, stay connected in him, him and me, I in him, the Father and the Son, the Son and the Father, and the Father and the Son through the Holy Spirit comes and makes their what? Abode, their home, their dwelling, their life, so that I can stay in them. So abide is the invitation to the highest intention of the Father, and that is to be his very own beloved in blood, in mind, in soul, in spirit. Abide. It's, it means to be in them, to make my abode in them, and then don't step out. Stay there continually. Worship him. Listen to him. This is what it means to abide. Abide is the key. What is abide the key to? The key of Jesus. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Abide in the way. Abide in the true one, in the faithful one. Abide is the key to remain in Jesus through the Holy Spirit. It's absolutely essential for you and me to obey the command abide. But he won't force it because it's a love invitation. So it's a command, but it's informative. He doesn't say, by the way, if you'd like to, or if you have the time, or if you thought about it, would you come and abide with me? Because by the way, you can't do a thing without me. Now, first of all, ladies, let me say from the very beginning as we talk about this all weekend, you will not understand this unless you read thoroughly 1 Corinthians 1 and 2. I don't have time to go there tonight. Would you read it before you go to bed? Paul says, you won't understand these things. You won't fathom these things. These are things of God. And we can't understand the things of God. But he said, guess what? You can begin to have the understanding of what God wants in his ways and his truths if you have the Holy Spirit and the mind of Christ. Yippee! That means we can know and we can understand most of the truths, not all of them, he, he leaves some of them mysterious because he's God. But he'll sure let us know a lot more than we know because we're too tired or too, I don't know, whatever to study him and to love him. But he says, come. It really means to come into me. So he's the key to eternal life. Did you know eternal life is in heaven? Eternal life is knowing the eternal one for eternity. The eternal one. Eternal life is a person. Having the fullness of God is a person. He, I'm going to say it, abide is him. Abide. I want you to come and live in me and stay in me and learn from me and know me. What does it say in John 17, 3? Eternal life is what? Do you know what that verse is? To know, to know me. And what is he saying to those that have worked hard and they, they've done great things in his name and oh my goodness, they've been so busy. Depart from me, I never. See, God is pretty serious about this. And the church of Jesus Christ, I'm sorry, so many de denominations are ready to divide because one side says you can do this and the other side says, no, we're going by the Bible and the truth. We are in such dark 
difficult days. But the church of Christ should be alive. We should be singing. We should be worshiping. Oh, daughters of Zion, sing. Because I'm coming to dwell in your midst. Did you know he came? He came as a baby, as Jesus. And he grew. And we're going to celebrate Sunday and next week. The, the Palm Sunday and Easter and resurrection. He has come. He did not come now just to live as Emmanuel. He came to live in you and me and abide. Amen. To stay there. Thank you. To make your abode there. Doesn't that excite you? Yes. Yes. I know it's Thursday night, but <laughs> we want you to be excited in this so that when you go home, you'll nestle in him. You'll dig in him. And do you know the problem? And I, I, I'm going to repeat myself, and that's okay. We've been repeating the word of God for how many years? And we still don't know what it says. So I'm going to repeat myself. If we knew the keys of living and the source by which to live the key, we'd be a different people. We'd be a transformed people. We'd be a holy people. We'd be a people who would love one another. We would be people who, well, I'll, I'll give you tomorrow's. I better stick to tonight's. <laughs> Is that Stephanie? I love you. Just nobody has a happy laugh like Stephanie. That did my heart good. The key to eternal life. The key in knowing our Savior, the eternal one. Eternal life, a person. It is the key to have his fullness. Now, what does it mean to have fullness? It means to have everything you can think about the character and the nature of the divine love of God. This fruit of the Spirit, all of 1 Corinthians 13, anything you can think of about God and his nature and his love and his character traits, that's his fullness. And guess what? That's how he created you. In his moral image and to live in the likeness of Jesus, which you will not live, no matter how hard you try, unless you have the third person of the Trinity living inside of you. Now, I don't want to get too far off because the time, the time is ticking. But you know what? This is a little too theological, but I'm going to say it anyway. In 1 John, it says, when you have the seed of the Father, you will not sin. You cannot sin, it says. When you have the little seed of the Holy Spirit, and I love it because it, it sort of goes back to the parable about the seed. He sows the seed, the word of God, and some take it excitingly, and then they all the cares of the world smush it out. And then there's the tares of the enemy, and they don't believe anymore. And then there's the, the devil takes some right away. But abiding takes, and I didn't bring my, oh, I should have, read, no, I have it. Yay. Let me just read this to you. It's pretty bad when you have to have three Bibles. Okay. But read this. I won't go into a lot of detail, but I was studying Psalm 92, and I just got so excited about it. Declaring the loving kindness of the Lord in the morning and his faithfulness or stability or truthfulness and steadfastness at night. You have made me glad by what you have done and I will sing for joy the works of you. 
It says in, in this, in the translation that I have, listen to this. He's, he has been anointed with fresh oil. The, the wicked will perish. But I have been anointed with fresh oil. And my eyes have looked exultantly upon my foes. And my ears hear of the evildoers who rise against me. But the righteous man will flourish like the palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. He's planted in the house of God or the dwelling place of God. They will still yield fruit in old age. Yippee! <laughs> Why are you laughing? Because we are with you. <laughs> they will yield fruit in old age. They will be full of sap and very green. To delight that the Lord is upright, for he is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. That is a beautiful picture of holiness. You are to stay a little seed. You are to nurture your what? You are to abide. And I guarantee if you are truly in him and he is in you, you're not going to stay. You're going to sprout. You're going to become a little, um, like a little, your roots in the tree. And he says, I'm the vine, but you're going to become a branch. And when the branch is in the vine, that's abiding. And you're going to bear fruit. Excuse me. Fruit that will last. You are to flourish in holiness. You are not to stay a little tiny little seed or a little wimpy little sprout of, we used, Daddy had a garden. Some of his little tomato plants were absolutely pitiful. And they never got to the stage of bearing leaves, let alone bearing tomatoes. That's a little bit like some Christians. Oh, I belong. But I just, I don't know why I don't have victory. I don't know why I can't get over these habits. I've been hurt so bad, as, and I, I'm just dealing with so many emotional things. Are you abiding? Do you have the Holy Spirit flowing in you? Do you know Him not only as your Savior, but as tomorrow we talk about the source? Are you really living in Him? He will do what He says He's going to do. One minute. I'm so sorry. He is the key. What did we read tonight in John 15? Of it is He is the key of being a friend. Do you need a friend? Do you know Jesus? Do you talk to Him? You sit Him sit on your bed and cry to Him. Are you honest with Him? Do you take Him to the grocery store with you? Do you take Him when you're changing baby's diapers? When you're cooking supper? When you've done 16 loads of jeans? When you feel like you're the only one that's doing something and the rest of the family's just having a ball? Do you know him as a friend? This isn't very fair, Jesus. Well, I didn't have it very fair either. He's the key of having friendship. He's the key of having himself. Abide is the key of having him in all of his fullness. He's the key of not living for self anymore. He, he is the key of receiving the Holy Spirit, the promised one. Abide, the key for all of living in Christ. 
Now, I'm going to do something tonight that I, I don't know if I've ever done, but I want to quote in quite a bit of depth. When I was sick from the weekend before Thanksgiving until two weeks ago, I had not been able to go to church. And so we're not TV church watchers much. No, not at all. We don't even watch TV. But we do sometimes listen to the radio. And I knew that Titus had podcasts. So I opened it up, and there was Dr. Kinlaw's one of they, I think it was pod, I hope you'll go home and listen to the whole thing. Please do. It's podcast, I believe, number 44. And his theme was what it means to be a disciple. And he, he said he read the Book of Mark all the way through to get his message. So when it was done, I read the book all the way through. And it so began to grip me. I thought, I think I need to read this again. So I began reading it again. But then I listened to Dr. Kinlong again and sat there and just soaked up the truth of presenting, presenting the Book of Mark. Then I started to listen to him a third time. And the Holy Spirit said, I think you've listened enough. I'll help you from here on. <laughs> we don't even want to have a person be the total. We want to hear from them, but we want the Holy Spirit to be our teacher in Christ. Yeah. But he gave me enough, believe me, that I began to chew. When I became about 1999, and you can purchase the book, Jesus is Enough, and I've heard many people say, well, that's your story. Let me tell you something. It may be my story, but it's the same message. Amen. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know him to be enough, and you do not know him as his, the intention for which you were created, then you probably aren't abiding. I thought I was. But when I was laying there in bed, unable to do anything, I thought, Lord, people have been praying for me more over this than I don't suppose I've ever been prayed for. Are you not, is this not what you want? Are you gonna leave me sick? What if I have to stay in bed? What if I can't walk right? What if I'll limp? And all these what ifs. And after I listened to this beautiful podcast, I wanted to weep. You see, Jesus can be enough. He is enough. Absolutely enough. What does it mean when Jesus is enough? It means that if nothing else happens, if nothing else is answered, if nothing else is given to me, if I am one of the terrible, awful, diabolical what's going on in Ukraine and, and all those, uh, their leader, I won't say his name, you know it. They don't have a thing left. But you know what I heard? There's a movement of the spirit among them and they're finding Jesus like they've never known because he's all they have. And guess what, he's enough. But in Mark, he said for the first eight chapters of Mark, Jesus demonstrated his, that he was the adequate one to meet every physical need possible. From delivering the wicked, the uh, spirits, healing the lame, touching the blind, feeding thousands out of one loaf and two fish, 
<coughs> letting the disciples watch him, see him. They, he called them out of, from being a fisherman and the tax collector. You know the story. And they said, well, what, what's our work that we're to do? And Jesus told them, your work is to believe. We get that a little backwards, don't we? Oh, I need to help him out. Oh, I think I better do more. Well, lady said, well, I'm, I'm afraid now that I'm retired. What am I going to do? I won't have anything to do. He won't use me anymore. You've heard me say this. God doesn't use you in the first place. He loves you. He fills you. He enjoys you. And he makes you useful so that he can appoint you all around the world to have another one know that he can be enough and that they can abide in him and have their life truly transformed, not just modified behavior. And he said, there, I, I read, when I was reading it through, I counted it. There were over 13 miracles and parables. And there were more than that, but I lost count. And then the, there's a pivot in Mark chapter 8. And I want to read this to you because it's, I want each of you to answer this question tonight. I'm going to read chapter Mark 8, and I went, I want to start at verse 27. And Jesus went out along with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he questioned his disciples, saying to them, Who do you say that, who do people say that I am? Now we could ask that today. Who do, who do people say Jesus is? We're like a pagan nation. I think we would be amazed at the answers we would get. Even in the body of so-called church. They told him, oh, John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say one of the prophets, and then he continued questioning him. But what do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Peter, of course, was the first to answer, you are the Christ. And he warned them to tell no one about him, and he began to teach them at that point a time that the Son of Man, Jesus, was going to suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he was stating the matter plainly and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. And, and Christ said, Peter, get thee behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests but man's. And I began to say to you in 1 Corinthians 1, about having the mind of Christ. You know, I believe you receive the mind of Christ when you are totally receiving the Holy Spirit. And when you abide, when you grow, see, it's a life. He's life-giving. It's never to be stagnant. You are to grow in Him and be nurtured in Him. But you have to be in Him and abiding in Him to understand he says, if anyone wishes to come after me, and this is a key of self-denial, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. <clears throat> Dr. Kinlaw <clears throat> began to, he said in chapters 1 through 8, 
Jesus showed the disciples and the followers and the multitudes of his adequacy. He was adequate for every spiritual and every physical need. But in the next chapters through 16, Mark wrote about the disciples' inadequacy. And it just really spoke to me. He said they were lacking in spiritual understanding. They had no clue what Jesus was talking about. Even when he told them he was going to have to go and be crucified, they didn't understand it. And he said, now, when the Spirit comes, when I send you the teacher and the helper, then he will remind you of what I've said. They lack spiritual understanding. Let me ask you something. When you read your Bible, does it speak to you? I've had people say, oh, I, don't, I don't get anything out of it. It makes no sense to me. It's so confusing. Then I, I want to say, I wonder if you're really saved or and have you been filled with the Spirit? He quoted George Mueller. He said, I understood more biblical truth in four hours after being filled with the Spirit than four years. And I can identify with that. I remember after he became enough and I laid down that old self-will and Jesus came and filled me with himself, I began to see and seek because I was hungry. I wanted to know why I really, really missed him. And I knew I was his beloved, just like they were his beloved. <coughs> remember he said, you have been made clean by my word. They were his, they were made clean. But they lacked spiritual understanding. They fought over their place instead of his work. They were carnal, divided hearts. They lacked courage and commitment. And there were, there were those five things. Lacked in spiritual understanding. They lacked in faith. They couldn't deliver the um, boy that had the evil spirits. They lost the spiritual power. They were stale. Do you remember he had given them the authority to go out and deliver people to heal and deliver them from demons? They had lost what they had. They were stale. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of Christian workers today who are going about the routine, but they've lost the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit. They're working hard. They, were, they lacked courage. They lacked commitment. They were carnal. They fussed, fussed and fumed over who would sit next to Christ and who would be first. And Jesus tried to tell them, he who, is, he who is first will be last, and who, he who will be last will be first. There's so much more. He said that Joel was talking about this very thing, that when there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, your mind should come alive with the mind of Christ. There should be an illumination and a hunger like never before. You shouldn't have to be told to read the Word of God. You should be so hungry to have the Word so that you'll live by the Word. You say, oh, I'm too busy. Then you're too busy. And when I was laid flat, I thought, well, Jesus, I, I, I'm just not, I can't do anything. And I was feeling down, and my emotions were playing on things, and I had just, I didn't have the body of Christ, but we'll talk about that tomorrow. Um, 
after I'd heard this message over and over and over, the Holy Spirit would say, am I adequate for this? You've made me enough, now do you believe that I'm adequate? Phil and I are opposites. We have very little in common, except that we both love each other and we love the Lord. That's that's Opposites attract. No, they don't. (laughs) If you've been married a while, you'll know what I mean. Why did the Lord allow that? Because he wants to show us he's adequate. Abiding is the key of having Agape, selfless, divine love through the filling of the Holy Spirit. What did it say? Abide in me. And then he said, abide in my what? You're not abiding in a thing. You're not abiding in emotion. You're not abiding in some hearsay or even some doctrine. You're abiding in the love of God. He is, he's the love of God. So, we, Phil and I were having a, a loving discussion. <laughs> and I just quipped off to the Lord, well, Jesus, I don't know how to do this. It's just way harder. We've been married 46 years. What's the deal? <clears throat> Am I adequate for this? Will you wait upon me? Will you draw from my love? so that you can put him ahead of your own wants and wait until I tell you what to do? Do you know when you seek and you abide, Jesus takes all the time in the world to answer because he doesn't have a clock. He has a heart. And he will do what is the highest for you if you will allow him No wonder Luke wrote that Jesus said, I want you to go make disciples all over the world. But he said, wait. Wait. And you will be given the power of the Holy Spirit. And what did that power do? They had illumination. They began to understand. There was a certainty in their heart. They began to challenge kingdoms of the world in Jesus' name. They went into the temple with courage and said, we don't have anything, but in Jesus' name, we'll give you what we do have. Rise up and walk. And they recognized they were poor, sort of not real smart men, but they had been with Jesus. That's abiding. See, it really doesn't have anything to do about how hard you work at it. It's about who you're living in and who's living in you. And are you enjoying him? And are you coming to him for puppy dogs that do what they shouldn't do, to kids that say what they shouldn't say, to having a praise service and just feeling great? You see, he is the God of, and he's concerned for every little part of you. That's abiding. They had courage, whether life or death. We have to follow Jesus. We must obey God rather than man. I want to ask you tonight, are you abiding 
Abiding is the key of living in the Holy Spirit. Abiding is the key of understanding rejection. Abiding is the key to know the Holy Spirit of truth. He is the spirit of truth, the spirit of remembrance, the helper, the comforter, the spirit of conviction, the spirit of teaching, of counseling. I wonder what would happen if in our difficult stages, now he does use the body, don't misunderstand me, but I wonder if, if we soaked in him, I mean just really talk to him all the time. And I have to say, I have, I've done that, and then the enemy will distract, harassments will come, crises will come, and before you know it, very soon, you're trying to fix. And as I laid there in bed, you know Jesus said, Linda, you need to relax. Because no matter how many doctors and, and loving people would say, well, you ought to try this. Well, why don't you take that? Or maybe this would work. And I thought, if I took everything that everybody said to take and I did everything everybody said they do, I would be on drugs. <laughs> I said, Jesus, I don't know what to do. And he said, rest. Am I adequate for this? He said, you're not going to heal yourself. You're not going to fix all these things. He said, rest. I have allowed this so you will find me to be out. And you will fall in love with me again. Yes, I'm enough for you. But I want to be adequate for you. I want you to really abide in me and talk to me. And, and let, me, let me have your problems. Now, do you think it's easy? No way. Because we have an enemy, an adversary, and we'll talk about that more now. <laughs> I get tempted to give you the whole thing. I won't do that. You see, it's his adequacy, not mine, that he needs. And Dr. Kinlaw brought out one other thing, and I love this. He said, in the Old Testament, God demonstrated his power. He divided the Red Sea. He literally got rid of their enemies. And he used their abilities. Remember the, the oh, I'm not going to remember all their names. There was a mechanic, there was a painter, there was an uh, electrician. <laughs> there were all those kind of people that do carpentry that my men do. And he used their gifts and talents. But when you get to the New Testament, he gave them a verse, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. Do you know, I, did, I couldn't play the piano. I couldn't cook my meals. The men had to do it on themselves. Now, I had the beloved church, which is one of the, I had friends. I mean, we had so much food, we had to share it. I, I had somebody come and help me. <laughs> they came and helped me wrap Christmas presents. No, they didn't help me, they did it. <laughs> okay, he's our helper. Do you know what that means? He does it. What I cannot do. I couldn't do a thing except abide. 
that's the one thing he will never take from you. What do I mean by that? It means to live. It means to draw on the Holy Spirit. Tomorrow, guess what we're talking about? Tonight was the key. Tomorrow is the key of, to abide, which is abiding the source. Tomorrow we're talking about the source. How do I abide? By abiding. It's a little different. It's living in the enoughness or the adequacy of Jesus. Where are you tonight? Have you lost the power to do what maybe he's asking you to do that you don't want to do? Have you lost your courage? Do you live in fear? Are you afraid to tell somebody about, <clears throat> about Jesus? Are you worried, sick? And I've heard, I've heard many people say, I, I'm just so depressed over what's going on. He doesn't want us to live depressed. He wants us to live with hope. He wants us to rejoice and to let the world know it matters not what's going on when we're in him. And being in him, it will enable us to reach another. I, I'm sure that those days and weeks that he allowed me to be laid up, it's not wasted. I don't know all what he did it for. And I don't know what he's allowed you to go through. Cancer, COVID, loss of whatever. Um, some of you are still dealing with the, with the baggage and the hurt of past. Uh, as loving as I can say, Jesus can meet you, and he will if you seek him. Right. And say, I'm tired of allowing my past to be my identity. Right. And tomorrow we're going to talk about those adequacies to help us live above our problems. So I, I don't know where you are tonight, but he does. Yeah. And he's saying, come. I invite you to abide with me. I invite you to die to that self-will. Take up your cross. We're so scared of it. Why are we scared of it? I prayed with one woman, and, and, and she said, well, her, the one that was with her said, well, wait, wait till you go where, where they don't believe like you. Are we going to be courageous enough to follow God and not man? To live the scriptural, scriptural way of being holy. Because that's the way that brings satisfaction and joy. Would you pray with me? Lord, we come to you tonight. We're very excited about the theme. Abide in me and I in you. Because without me you can do nothing. And Lord, you're speaking of spiritual and you're, you're speaking about the intention for which we were made. <clears throat> Even in the Garden of Eden, had they abided and depended on the spirit that was within them. But Lord, you allowed that because of your love your divine love and mercy, and you knew there would needed to be a, an abider, a savior, a one who would come and dwell in our homes, in our heart, the hearts of our home. And Lord, we praise you and thank you that you came and that we celebrate not your birth this week. We we celebrate you. We celebrate what you paid for. And when he said. You're clean by my word. He didn't just mean by what he said. He knew he was going to the cross. 
He knew his blood was going to cover every sin and that he had declared them clean because he was getting ready to die. Lord, we are so grateful. We're grateful that you were willing to pay the price so that we could have the Savior and the Father and the Son live within us. <clears throat> when you meet around your tables, would you be vulnerable and open enough to say, this is where I am. I lack courage. I've not been filled with the Spirit. I was filled one time, but I'm dry. I lack. I've lost the power. I've lost the purity. There's sin in my life. I've, I'm not, I don't know his presence because I've stepped out of him. I've sinned and I need to be brought back. I need to return to him and have times of refreshing. Who do you say that he is tonight? And I, I want to just quote this as we, as we um, close here in prayer again. To believe a person must come to the place that he knows who Jesus is and he is what he's looking for. Do you believe who he is and that it's Jesus whom you're looking for for every need of your heart? And then do you know what a Christian is? Dr. Kinlaw says a Christian is to be confident or sure, absolutely trusting in the adequacy of Jesus when you find out who he is. And Lord, we don't want any doubt. We want to know you, who you are. And Lord, if we're carrying burdens or problems or people or pain that we can't deal with, thank you that you are the one we need. And you have promised, you have said, that we can have the power to remain like Christ in the midst of it when we wait upon you to answer our deepest requests. We thank you and we praise you. Holy Spirit, I ask that tonight you will go from person to person, from table to table. You will meet us with times of refreshing that every spiritual need will be met and that there might be even physical and emotional needs. Lord, would you bring healing and wholeness tonight, this weekend? And we believe, we believe that you are the one we're looking for. And we are confident that you are at the adequate one. You are enough. And we thank you in Jesus' name.